You're listening to Zonscast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, uh, we've had a couple of week breaks again, um, mm. off in the off-season, but um, there's a lot to discuss. There's been a lot of Essendon news going around. Um, you know, we had some good news with the re-signing of Sam Draper, um, you know, he's signing on for till the end of 2025, mm. uh, which is a great... Yeah, great to secure his con- uh, his contract up until that stage because he's sorely going to be uh, you know, chased after you, without doubt. Yep, absolutely. No, nah, absolute uh, ripper of a get. And I loved how he was like, you know, I absolutely love this club. Um, you know, that's a really good endorsement um, for uh, for a bloke who is a bit of a, um, uh, I suppose, a culture figure, James, in terms mm. of he's the kind of bloke that you can build a culture around. Mm. Um, he seems to really get up and about and, uh, all the boys seem to love him, you know, when we sing the song, um, you know, as seldom as it's been. Um, mm. oh, I think that's just fantastic. And I think, you know, as much as, uh, you know, we weren't able to, you know, um, get some trades across over the line during the trade period, weren't able to get people to uh, sort of put their interest in us. I mean, you know, and, and, and fairly, yeah, we were, uh, went through a fair bit of uh, tribulation there, you know, sacked the coach, um you know, CEO, president, all gone within a matter of days. Um, you know, discontent on the board, all the rest of that. Um, so you can understand why, uh, yeah, some players were attracted to other clubs. Uh, mind you, what those other clubs offer outside of the uh, the actual mm. paid contract, I, I'd uh, mm. yeah, put up to the uh, yeah, imagination of the listenership, but um. Nah, so it looks like we're being, uh, I suppose, creative with that extra cash we've got. We're like, okay, we've got the players we've got. Um, it's important that we sort of make that sort of a cap moved around. So perhaps it's like front loading, um, you know, shifting some digits around, uh, which I think is a, a smart thing to do. Um, so to get his signature for another couple of years is excellent. Um, so effectively for the next three years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we also saw um, yeah, an upgrade of um, uh, sort of Durham, um, and then uh, we must we have we had another one um, yeah, get up. Oh no, we had um, Menzi. Um, Menzi and added to the list, no, officially um, joined list. Yeah, which is uh, which is fantastic. So it looks like you know we're getting our ship in order before we uh, yeah, crack into the draft, um, which is all great news. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, list spots congestion really. Um, Mm. I think yeah, at the moment we've got about uh, five players we can add to our senior list. Um, and when you think we've got pick four, mm. you got your Davy boys coming in who nominated Essendon uh, as father's son. So, so that was a great get because there was some, seemed to be a lot of spooking out there by the media that they may have turned their back on the club. Mm-hmm. So thankfully that didn't happen. We saw um, Essendon name Anthony Mankara as a NGA. Uh, what do they call it? Aca- NGA, Academy player. Yeah. Academy player. Yeah, that's it. Um, so uh, you know, hopefully he can get past pick forty, and we can add him to our our list. You know, I'm still fearful that there's a club out there that's going to um, steal our thunder, so to speak, um, mm. because. Uh, He's a prodigious uh, talent. Um, so, you know, ho- hopefully 
uh, he can get to us. Um, so I am fearful of other clubs on that one. <laughs> but if that was uh, to happen, um, yeah, there's straight away four players. Um, plus, we, we had the news of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody returning. Um, mm. you know, in a real surprise, you know, somebody had to said at the end of the season, you know, at the start of pre-season, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody would be returning to the club. You probably wouldn't have believed it. No, I mean, I guess his retirement... Um... Yeah, it took us all as a, oh, I suppose, a bit of a shock, really, because um, we knew he was having a pretty tough time of things. Uh, but it looks like, like it sounded like, yeah, the club and everyone else around it was uh, putting his arms around him. Uh, but then he did make the call. Um, and now to, I suppose, be back in a headspace where he's feeling, um, you know, comfortable and confident enough to be able to uh, put himself through the rigors of pre-season training to, uh, you know, uh, play again for the red and black is absolutely fantastic, and uh, you know, looked like the the club um, had those conversations with him. Um, took the time to make sure that uh, Tipper was, um, you know, really committed to you know getting himself back into shape and into fitness. Over a while, um, you know, us blitzers have uh, you know, had the good fortune of Katie Leo um, throwing us a tidbit. Um, saying, look, you know, it, it's only just sort of come out that Tipper's back training, uh, but he's he'd been training for weeks, um, you know, if not months, to um, you know, to get back in shape uh, in an effort to potentially rekindle the uh, AFL career. Um, obviously, Frio had their interest in him, uh, but thank goodness he um, he sided uh, with the Bombers, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and they said uh, Brad Scott was a key figure in this. Um, mm. So he obviously gave encouragement to AMT that he was wanted. Um, cause, yeah. uh, you know, which is pleasing because I think uh, you know, he's a player that you know, at his best, adds so much to our team. But importantly, he's a, again another person that will put bums on seats. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, uh, you know, as we know, he's so dangerous around goal and he doesn't need a lot of touches to have uh, impacts on games. Um, so, um, yeah, if we can get him back, uh, you know, fighting fit again, uh, he'll be an absolute, um, you know, jet for our team. But I'm not even just that. Like, if we're bringing in the Davy boys, you know, potentially Mankara, um, you know, it really, I suppose, allows Essendon to, um, you know, Fulfill its its old obligation and responsibility, and something that we're all proud of in in being a you know a, a proud um, I suppose uh, team an indigenous supporting yeah, like, that, yeah. that embraces indigenous talent. Um, we haven't done that for so long, and it's been an absolute blight on the club, uh, mm. to my mind, Jane. Um, I think that was topped off, mate, at um, dream time this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just to see all the Richmond players. Mm. Really involved in their pre-game. Yep. And with us, we had to almost roll out uh, Wanganeen as a sub, or you know, yeah. just to, just to give the appearance that we did have an Aboriginal player on our list. And yeah, yeah, you know, that was I thought that was a real damning of the club. And you know, our, like obviously the start of the year, they wouldn't have known AMT would miss the whole year. Mm. But I mean, and I know, um, I believe Josh Air had some. Um, so has some 
you know, Indigenous blood through him or, you know, yeah. as well. So, but I mean, look, it seems like we've been very hesitant to take a punt on Indigenous talent. I don't know why. Um, other clubs seem to be embracing it, but um, yeah, we've been much more cautious and yeah, we've had some bad experiences with some players that, you know, haven't been able to cope <laughs> within the system. You know, and I'm talking historically. Yeah. But um I think with uh, any talent, um it's risk versus reward. Yeah, I mean obviously we had the the sad case of uh, Irving Mosquito, um, you know, through injury, through homesickness. Yeah, unfortunately, um you know, just didn't have the passion to play at AFL level. So, like, you get that. But uh, in any case, uh, it would be great to have, uh, you know, tip her back of the club and hopefully be a real mentor to some of these guys, you know, Wanganin, the Davy boys, Mankara, hopefully if he gets up. Um, but as you say, that uh, did create, you know, more competition for list spots. And, yeah, Josh Eyre, who you just mentioned, Jane, um, has been, uh, you know, told he's not being offered a contract. Uh, he is being offered the opportunity to train on uh, for potentially a SSP um, spot. Um, but uh, I guess, yeah, this is, you know, when it comes to the crunch, um, you, know, you sort of have to be, you know, ruthless and, um, yeah, open up your list to um, make sure you're able to bring in the best available talent. Um, so while it's it's tough there for Josh Air, um, I, I think that's a a suitable uh, decision we've made there. And look, it, it might be the you know the kick in the backside of the um, you know the flame that uh, Josh Air needs to you know extract the digit as it as it were. And uh, um, yeah, I think you know he'll no doubt be giving it his all to uh, you know, try and secure. Yeah, a spot with us. I actually um, have a theory on this, mate. Um, yeah, do because of the list spot, um, you know, problem we have. Because obviously, you know, we actually our list it shows you how strong our list is. Because um, and even though they haven't put it together on the field, we've got there's not many players out there that you would say aren't deserving of contracts. Um, so I think what may happen is that. I think the club has every intention of keeping Josh Air. Mm. As you say, mate, this will give him a, a spur to keep going. Mm. But what I'm what I think may happen is that um, the club likes to add through the SSP, especially in the last couple of years. If you go by that, I think what they'll do is, um, as we know, Jaden Davies got some. Yeah, he's returning from a knee. Mm-hmm. He may be able to be put on a long term injury list. Um, which will then create a spot and you can then come in. But if you keep Josh Air on your list, um, yeah, you, it just makes that conge- uh, congestion on mm-hmm. the on the spots. So I think what will happen most likely, and it's only my guess, is that um, there might be a player like Jane Davey who's then put on the um, <clears throat> long-term injury and uh, frees up her a spot for the SSP and then, um, you know, potentially that's the way Josh Air gets back on the list. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm only, like I said, it's only a, an assumption. But um, He looks in ripping shape, I've got to say. Um, you know, yep. the, he, and, you know, I've seen um, 
some Instagram posts where, you know, he's training with a lot of the guys and, you know, and I think that, yeah, he's certainly got that motivation to stay on the list. Mm -hmm. um, and I would not be surprised if he's still part of our list next year um, and that this is just the route that had to happen or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the best bit the club's um, you know, list spots at the moment. Yeah, well, no, I don't, I don't mind that theory, Damon. Uh, it's, uh, there might be something to it. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, like even if that's the case, mm. uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be others, you know, vying for that same spot. Yeah, uh, and you'll have to work bloody hard. So, uh, well, when you think about it, mate, how many of us knew Nick Martin mm. this time? Yeah, this time of the preseason last year. Yeah. Um, we've probably never had heard of him. Um, no. And look at the impact he had on our club. Um, mm. And yeah, he's another one that you would expect to be promoted to the senior list. Yep. Um, because at the moment, mate, we actually don't have any rookie spots uh, available to us. Mm. Um, our rookies are full, but we've got a Category B rookie. But, I mean, um, you know, with Tom Hurd going off our list. And yep. I think McBride's in the same boat, but there seems to be a suggestion that if McBride doesn't get drafted on draft night, mm. um, he can come back to Essendon as a Category B rookie. Ah, uh, Cat C, I believe it is, Jane. Um, Cat C, is it? Cat C, that's the, um, yeah, I suppose, you know, the Irish generally. Um, yeah. So there's overseas players that don't have a huge background in AFL or mm -hmm. um, Australian rules football. So um, generally you're only given uh, two years, years or so. Two or three years, yeah. I, I think it's two years, but um, because of, you know, the COVID-affected seasons, uh, which affected not just the AFL side but VFL side as well, I think the AFL um, quite rightly has taken that into consideration. So, well, look, you know, that year they effectively had no development because VFL didn't happen, basically. Um, so I think it will be right that, you know, if he's not picked up, um, you know, potentially keep him on as that cat C. Um, uh, I believe that's the case. Um, yeah. But happens. Well, the way I would be thinking of it is that mm. um, with Cody Brand obviously being <laughs> delisted, sorry, yeah. uh, being delisted, um, McBride is another you know, potentially key position player that you'd like to have some depth in key positions. Yeah. So um, I'm sure uh, Essendon would be encouraging him to, you know, I think they'd want to keep having a look at him because um, yeah, he's quite a well built. Lad and he's got some really good um, physical you know, abilities. Uh, yeah. So, and he's he's done a lot of work on his game. So, yeah, uh, you know, if you can keep him on as, as as you say that as a category B or C rookie, um, mm. he's certainly worth um, you know that spot. Particularly if you've got no one to replace him. Mm. Um, and then obviously in the Josh Air situation we talked about earlier. Um, you need to have some depth in your key positions because, you know, you can really go a bit pear-shaped if you uh, start losing that because, you know, you can't have a team of midgets running around. No, we've, we've tried that before, mate. Mm. Um, so, uh, no, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I definitely reckon um, you know, McBride's worth uh, persevering with if we're able to keep him on as that sort of can't-see option because um, he... Yeah, he certainly doesn't shrug away from a contest. He shows a lot of 
I suppose, athleticism and, um, you know, tenacity, uh, you know, to sort of learn that position and, and take the game on. So, uh, no, I reckon he's, if we're able to keep him on as that cat C rather than a senior list spot, um, yeah, worth keeping on. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good luck to him. And I guess, you know, with regard to, um, you know, other players, um, you know, potentially around the traps, mate, we've seen, uh, you know, McKenna sniffing around all sorts of clubs, mate. Um, you know, he's been to, you know, Geelong, Port, buddy, Brisbane, um, St Kilda, uh, Essendon, um, yeah, sniffing around, you know, he's, I don't know, mate, I reckon getting a bit too big for himself, thinking he's LeBron James or something, but... Um... <laughs> no, I think with Connor, um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if he suits us at this stage of where we're at. Mm. And um, I think for him, uh, you know, he's strongly linked to Brisbane. Mm. How he would cope with the Brisbane weather would be uh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, you know, because obviously a different climate to what he'd be used to. Yep. Um, as you said, mate, there's other clubs that I believe Geelong are out of the race. They no longer have interest there. Um, so I think you know there's other clubs. You said St Kilda um, has came has come pretty late mm. that interest. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, yeah, I just. Don't know if um, he suits where we're at, or, or if he wants to come back to us. Because to be honest, he hasn't been linked to us that strongly. No. It's just kind of mentioned as an afterthought because he used to play for us. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not expecting Connor to join us, but um, you know he, he was certainly talented, but um, yeah, he had his had his issues as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy watching him play at full flight. Yep. Um, but as I said, uh, where we're at, probably not the most important thing, especially when there's a bit of a squeeze on, you know, list spots. Yep. Um, you know, we'd have to use another spot there uh, to accommodate him, and uh, we don't have that luxury or that many luxuries to just add players at will. Yeah. And that leads us to pick four, mate, on draft night. <laughs> Sorry, mm. I've got this annoying cough. Um, but um, yeah. Draft night, pick four, which will be pushed out to pick five with um, the Will Ashcroft um, bid, which mm-hmm. will certainly come. Um, now, most people think they know what's happening with the first four picks, but um, they're stumped at Essendon's thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Adrian and Co were keeping it very tight-lipped and, you know, People are almost expecting that a wild card is going to be played um, from Essendon, and it's hard to uh, predict what's going to to uh, who we're going to select. But um, I guess you know on talent, or you know Elijah um, Davis is the is the player that most people have going at pick five, our pick, and uh, he's just you know super quick. Uh, you know he can. I've heard at his best he could be compared to a, almost like a, I don't want to say it because it will sound silly, but he's got like a Chris Judd kind of ability of Whoosh. line breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we all know, um, when you run that fast, as we see with Dangerfield and 
you know, for him. Um, your kicking can be unpredictable at times and sometimes sprays off the boot because mm. um, so whether we need a player like that, and one of the players we're also linked to is, um, I can't remember his first name, but Malice or something, um, Philippu. Mm. And he's from South Australia. He's got, he's very, um, well, apparently, very self confident, almost to the point of arrogance. Um, and some clubs, I believe, you know, from what I've read, is they're uh, been spooked by that. Um, and they've actually slid him down their pegging order just based on their interviews with him, uh, finding him a little bit uh, too self confident, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, there's been a suggestion that uh, he, I believe, he's a 190 plus. And again, this is best case scenario, uh, Bonton Pally kind of player um, who yeah, has all the self confidence, has a, you know, can be a very good kick. Um, you know, and that's probably a player I could see why Essendon are interested in. Um, you know, a t- much taller midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know is a point of difference, but um, yeah, and obviously there's a host of others being named, but uh, yeah, I don't think anyone could say um, where Essendon's going to go. Um, yeah, you know, there's a host of names being thrown around, but just on those two, mate, if you if you're I'm going to select out of those two from what I've told you. And you probably, I don't know if you've seen any of their highlights. Of, I've watched their highlights of both these players. Mm. What makes you more interested? A speedy uh, inside-outside runner. Um, he, he can kick the ball pretty well, but this can also spray a few. Mm. Um, or the 190-centimetre midfielder who, you know, has self confidence to the point of arrogance and um yeah it has a beautiful kick on it. Yeah, I mean for mine, James, um the point of difference first off is is obviously the height. Um, you know, I think our list demographic uh I suppose height wise has improved slightly um yeah since I guess the retirement of, of Dev Smith um and you know, bringing in, uh, I suppose, some uh, some bigger guys, um, you know, obviously Cox and uh, Perkins and um, guys like that who will hopefully come on and develop. Uh, and I think one of the biggest um, downsides or um, where we really lack competitiveness is, is marking around the ground for mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for so long we've had, you know, <laughs> What a lot of us have, have dubbed as a kind of midget brigade in the midfield. So, you, you know, Merritt, Parrish, um, well, you had Smith there um, since moved on. Um, you know, Caldwell, um, you know, Hobbs, all these guys, not overly tall. Um, and, you know, it really stands out when a bloke like, you know, Stringer, um, for example, goes into that midfield, um, you know, or, or Langford for that matter, goes into the midfield because they've got that bit of height, a little bit of marking presence about them. Um, so immediately my mind goes to toward Matthias Philippou. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Secondly, um, I guess in terms of, you know, the personality traits and, and all that, um, yep, yeah, I know that, uh, you know, clubs in the past have adopted a, you know, uh, uh, a no idiot policy, if I'll, you know, term it that, that way, um, but uh, with, you know, they don't want people being, you know, arrogant flogs all over the place. Um, however, I would say for Essendon in particular, one thing that we've done over the years uh, to our detriment is we've, um, you know, picked up talented kids um, that appear to have confidence issues in, in terms of pulling the trigger, having a shot at goal. Um, so it, as talented as you are, if you are not confident enough on a big stage to, uh, you know, use your wares, um, you, you effectively lose your impact. Um, you know, the difference between, you know, Jake Stringer, who just has this supreme confidence to chuck it on the boot from any angle and, you know, you, you, you back him in most of the time because he, he just makes things happen. Now, granted, he's got that sort of freakish ability, but it is that confidence that um, I think um, really gives him that that power, whereas you see a Dylan Shield who has all the talent in the world, all the fitness, he prepares himself beautifully, but he seems to lack that want to pull the trigger. You know, when he's bursting out of the centre, he's got a long leg on him, Jane, um, but doesn't pull the trigger when realistically he should be having pings on goal much more often. Um, so I think a bloke like Philippou, if he's you know, seriously backing himself and um, you know, strutting around, saying, no, nah, I've got this, that speaks to me of a player who wants the ball in his hand. Um, like He wants that responsibility and backs himself to you know, kick the goal or take the mark, whatever it is. Um, I think that's a, a real trait. Now, it can obviously rub off on, on people the wrong way. Fully appreciate that. But I think, you know, a bloke like that, you know, bigger size, we're going to have some some strong, um, I suppose, some good development coaches around the, the club. So we're going to have Travis Cloak. We're going to have Michael Hurley. Uh, you know, we're obviously uh, Hebel staying on for a bit. You're going to have um, blokes at the leadership level. And, and I I expect, um, I would hope, you know, a bloke like Zach Merritt will be made captain. Um, you know, I think that sort of, um, I suppose, character of the at the leadership level will say, yep, yeah, you're talented, get it, mate, but you've got to knuckle down and, and work hard. It's not a one-man show here at Essendon. Um, uh, so I, I've, I'll, you know, with Brad Scott at the helm especially, Jane, I'll mm. back in this this list under the coaching leadership group. Uh, remember, you've got blokes like Stanton there as well. Um mm to sit this bloke down and say, mate, we're going to back you in to become a really good player for us, but you need to work as one of us, as part of the team. Um, personally, I think, you know, if we get it right and, you know, we put the right sort of, you know, environment around players like Philippu, uh, we can get the absolute best out of them and, um, yeah, they can really flourish. Yeah. Um, now, just a couple Bits of breaking news, mate. Oui. Um, and, and, yeah, I don't think anyone would be celebrating in the street, but we've actually added another two board members um, today. Oui. So uh, Tim Roberts and David Wills have joined the board. 
so they're now on the board of directors. And they have come in for the positions of um, Peter Allen. Mm. Uh, so Peter Allen, obviously, vacated, and also Sean Wellman, who we knew was um, going, and uh, they'll stand for uh, re-election in 2023. Mm -hmm. So they're basically straight up to the board, no election now. We heard some great news last week about Dean Rioli joining the board. Yep. And previously we heard about um, Andrew Welsh joining the board. Now, I believe there's two spots that um, are up for grabs uh, at our AGM. Um, and I believe Andrew Welsh has to win his, um, his actual spot on the board. Yeah. Which... So he's one of the ones, and I'm just trying to think who. Oh, the other one was um, Andrew Muir. Andrew Muir, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so both of them stand for re election. Mm. Now, um, we've heard about a few uh, people wanting to get onto the board. Mm -hmm. so, um, now, Ben Dunn, who was on our board for, oh, must have been five or six years, mate. Um, I think it was between 97 and when 2004 maybe um, 2006 or so i think oh was it, it was a bit later than that yeah well um <laughs> he's announced his intention uh it was the other person that was um had put up their hand recently the next player oh, barry young was That's the other it. One. Um, mm. yeah uh, barry young so um i would think andrew welsh would be pretty comfortably voted back in or voted on the board at the AGM, that other one spot will be uh, interesting to see who gets through out of those. Um, and I'm sure there'll be some other names that come up by the time the AGM rolls around. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Some of these spots are starting to get filled. So, yeah, Tim Robertson, David Wills. Um, yeah, I'd, I'll be long. Uh, I'll be honest, mate. I don't know much about these guys. Um, so um, I'm sure they've got some good finance and... Um, yeah, business knowledge that they'll on pass to the board, but um, yeah, to come straight into the board, they've obviously been identified. Yeah, I mean, I guess for mine, uh, the one thing that worries me, James, is uh, I feel like at the board level, there's been a lot of, um, I don't know, well, obviously discontent more recently, but lack of alignment uh, for a long time. And when you've got too many too many chefs, um, you know, that, that can quite often happen where, um, you know, if you've got a dispute among five people, it can usually be solved a lot quicker than when you've got a dispute among 11 people or so. And I feel like, you know, it was an opportunity for Essendon to limit the amount of board members, um, you know, after the, I suppose, separation, um, you know, from... The sort of four or five we had, um, you know, depart from their positions previously. Um, so I'm, uh, I guess I was hoping for um, that structure to be realigned um, to allow it to be, uh, I suppose, a more limited field. But as it is, it looks like they're sort of remaining with the same structure. Um, I'm just hoping that they can maintain alignment, Jane, because um, that's the fear I've got that uh, we've done all this work uh, only for it to fall in a heap because people have got different vested interests in um, 
in their own projects. Um, yeah. Well, I think the only thing we can be assured of is that for them to be identified and not have to go through a uh, election, that these people must be in alignment at least now. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be on the board because they yeah, actually I'll, the board would bring them on. It wouldn't be anyone else other than the board. Yeah, so but Jane, like you, um, yeah, we forget very quickly. Like the CEO was brought on, yeah, <laughs> effectively without a process. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, he he orchestrated his own process. Um, <laughs> so it it doesn't give itself much credence when mm. we've just done that with a couple of new. Um, you know, board members like without elections, like I, well, that's the only way they could come on is from board appointment. They you couldn't elect them because those two spots are the only ones that open. So if you're keeping the numbers as you say, mate, like mm. I think it was ten, wasn't it, on our yeah. board? Yeah. Then they have to replace all four that vacated. So, um, they've obviously replaced with um Andrew Welsh and Dean Rioli. But they still had two other spots, and you know, with Peter Allen going now, they needed someone with finance experience, and um, yeah, so they've brought in a finance who will be, you know, basically our financial director, um, which is a pretty important role, um, especially for Essendon who loves their Bean County, um, and then you got your your business side of it. So just, <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, I, I get your point, but I, I think in this case you couldn't elect them. Had they had to be chosen, and you just hope they've been chosen because one, they're good at their roles, and two, that they do have an alignment with the with the with the members of the board currently. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see what that alignment is, Jane. But I, mm. I wonder if the name Dorothy Hisgrove's in there. Um, somewhere. Yeah, she's still there, mate. <laughs> still there. Like, but do you think her position is still tenable? Uh look, that's I know, look, seems to be a little grievance on that. I um I I do think the waters were murked. Um, you know, especially with the Andrew Thornburn, um how that was not identified that uh, you know, he his current role as a CEO of that church could meet Essendon's values. Like that should have been identified at any stage. And look, a lot of people say to me, just for the fact of the Royal Commission, mm. that there was so scavering, scaving, sorry, the um, feedback on Andrew Thornburn during that time, it's unthinkable that an organisation has been making. Uh, CEO, especially one as large as the yes, Footy Club. But again, that's all hindsight now, isn't it? Like we had to move on. But let's just say, mate, um, I remember Andrew Thornburn was announced well, late October. I mean, sorry, um, early October, I think it was. Mm. Um, and he was going to start on November 1st. As of now, the 14th of November, um, still no CEO. And um, we're not really linked to anyone. Like, I did hear Mark Anderson, like, who resigned from um, Collingwood, Collingwood mm-hmm. uh, CEO, was linked to us. But then I've also heard he wanted to go to France to live with his uh, wife and family. So, um, yeah, we one thing, mate, they're definitely keeping that in-house because there's not a lot of stories linking um, anyone to that CEO role um, after Greg Swan was strongly mentioned. But 
it seems like he's staying in um, Brisbane. Yeah, and if you uh, I don't know if you believe some of the rumours, it sounded like we uh, sort of screwed the pooch there with Greg Walsh, um, where we. Uh, Greg yeah, Swan, uh, you mean? Yeah, Greg Swan, rather. Yeah, yeah. so saying, um, oh, do you want to apply for this position? Uh, oh, don't worry, it, it's filled now. Um, and then when that fell over, oh, actually, do you want to apply for us? And mm. basically told us to bugger off. Um, you know, don't know if that's true or not, but it's the, the rumour mill mm. going around. And, of course, you've got, uh, you know, in the last week, uh, Thorburn, you know, basically suing the club for wrongful dismissal. Um, and apparently the club... Is uh, working behind the scenes to, uh, you know, work out a settlement there. Um, so there's some, uh, you know, there's some investment into the club that's gone directly into the pockets of Thurlburn, thanks to the, um, you know, poor decision making um, of the board. So, you know, I don't know they've they've taken responsibility, Jane, but um, you know, it it still does hurt or make us cringes. Essendon fans that this this stuff continues to come back and bite us, and we know the media loves a good Essendon beat up. Um, yeah, if there's a story uh, to paint Essendon as being yeah unprofessional or um, you know negligent in their duties, they're they're all about it. Um, so um, yeah, I really hope they get the house in order, Jane. Um, yeah. uh, but I guess that's all we've got right now. It's that hope. Yeah. Now. Um... Before we turn our attention to AFLW, um, just wanted to ask about your thoughts. I think it's a great appointment of um, Dean Rioli onto the board as an mm. you know, Indigenous um, you know, consultant or basically head of that, you know, the yeah. well-being of that because, uh, you know, as you said earlier, mate, the, the footy club seems to have dropped the ball on that and, yeah, you know, I read a disappointing story uh, just after season's end about Nova Paris. Um, you know, obviously had a bit of a fallout with Xavier Campbell, mm-hmm. and um, that was a bit distasteful. I thought, and yeah, I, I think uh, this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Dean Rioli, like for any of us that remember him playing, an absolute privilege to watch. He was just um yeah you know he was, he was a big boy Jan. um mm. but he had silky skills mate um like he could you know you talk about firing a needle in a haystack he could kick the sharon onto the chest of that needle in a haystack mate mm. um it was just that that good and like if you think i'm overstating his his prowess on the field go and have a look at his highlights um absolutely brilliant and he speaks so well jamie's very eloquent very measured in the way he speaks, um, you know, as an Indigenous elder, um, he obviously has quite a lot of, um, you know, respect in the community and is very passionate about, um, I suppose, reigniting that flame of Essendon being a, um, a real beacon for Indigenous talent um, at AFL level. Um, so, you know, I think he'll be absolutely instrumental in, um, you know, being able to reinvigorate that culture of valuing Indigenous talent and, you know, Indigenous culture at the Essendon Football Club. Um, and, you know, he's sort of looking more broadly. He goes, look, this isn't just about the Essendon Football Club. It's, you know, helping out, um, you know, grassroots level and, um, you know, I suppose help, yeah. you know, helping the communities and, um, 
you know, I think one thing that, um, like, football is one of those things that it goes beyond, you know, the the oval on the on the pitch, James. It goes beyond the MCG or any other field. Um, it goes to our communities, and um, you know, we all know that looking at our heroes and stuff like that. Um, it gives us pride in you know in the red and black, and uh, I suppose more broadly, you know, when people in Indigenous communities can can point to your Nicky Winmars, your Gavin Wanganese, your Michael Longs, um, you know, all these great Indigenous players, and say you know that they're my um, uh, sort of they're my heroes. Um, you know, they're part of my culture. They speak my language. Um, like and really gives them that confidence um, of saying, you know what, I, I, if I really knuckle down, I can, I can achieve things as well. Um, I think it's a really important uh, appointment. I think it's a great appointment um, to bring Dean Mioli on. Obviously, you know, old Essendon player, um, and you know, it's very easy for us to get sold on excess and players because he's obviously enamored of their performances in the past. But I think this one in particular is a really astute appointment and um, yeah, definitely wish uh, Dean Rioli well in his role and can't wait to see, you know, the uh, the fruits of his labour. Uh, absolutely great. Um, let's have our first break, mate, and we'll just come back and we'll quickly wrap up the AFLW season because we've got to announce... Our AFLW Don Cars Medal winner. And you're listening to Don's Cars. And, mate, um, we also saw uh, since our last show the AFLW season concludes, conclude, sorry, for the uh, Mighty Bombers um, with a big win over Port Adelaide, over in Adelaide. And um, it was a really impressive result. You know, there's the two expansion teams playing each other. Mm. And, um, yeah, one looked a class above. Did, mate. I suppose uh, it was one of those things where, Everything ended where it began. I mean, um, if you remember, the first practice match was against Port, as um, yeah, as I remember. Uh, we gave him a bit of touch up, and so it was again, um, where we won, uh, you know, five goals seven thirty seven to their one goal four ten. Uh, now I will say, Jane, um, yeah, I, I reckon we could have put him to the sword a bit more. Um, you know, there were certainly parts of the game um, where yeah, we could have really put the foot down, um, but we were sort of wasteful with our uh, ball use around the ground. Uh, but we got the job done in the end, mate, uh, so you can always be happy with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, we yeah, came into the uh, came into the league. We, we done really well against, you know, uh, likewise development sides. Um, against the mid-tiers, I thought we battled um really well uh but against the top teams uh that's where we did struggle and yeah you, know, you definitely saw that difference of the more um i suppose uh experienced and uh professional outfits uh against our girls who were yeah you know, sort of finding their feet um at that level um, yeah, a couple of um 
really close losses, one and two points, I think it was. So <laughs> we weren't that far away from six wins in our you know, first season. Um, yeah. you know, so to get the four mm. and then have those narrow losses, yeah. um, I think you could only say that that was a, um, a positive first step uh, in the AFLW competition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, like in no game were they... Um, uh, you know, embarrassed. Like, obviously, there was a uh, one against Melbourne where when we got done, it was a pretty dirty day, Jane. Um, but um, look, apart from that, yeah, they they definitely showed up each and every single game. So well done to them. Um, and this game was no different. Got the job done. Um, and uh, yeah, the girls will uh, yeah develop for another year going into twenty twenty three. So that no, was great work from. Now, there was a bit of a scary moment near the end of the game, mate. Do you mm. remember this? Yeah, certainly do, mate. Um, yeah, that that tackle that brought down uh, was it Williamson. Was yeah, well, uh, Lily was. Um, I think it, I shouldn't have. I was working without notice, mate. So, um, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> thought you'd snooker me, and I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I'll really be ready for this one. Um, no, they, uh, yeah, so Lily Rose Williamson. Um, yeah, I was worried for him, mate, because. Yeah. Um, I really uh, yeah, it did look concerning. You know? mm. uh, obviously, the port player didn't mean it. And it wasn't your traditional uh, sling tackle, mm. but when you watch the replay, she came down hard on her head and, yeah, she looked in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, it was a funny one because as I saw it, James, uh, yeah, Williamson went to uh, basically strong arm the tackler, um, mm. put her arm out, and the tackler, like they were, uh, I suppose they were off balance, uh, but they did grab her arm um, and they, they were all just sort of bring her down and she just fell awkwardly, Jane. Mm. Uh, that, that's how I see it. I don't think yeah. there was any malintent. Uh, there's definitely no malice. No. Um, <laughs> and, and certainly they did show a lot of care when, um, mm. you know, when they realised she was hurt. Um, uh, yeah, bewilderingly to me, Jane, I think that port player actually got two weeks from the um, uh, match review panel. Um, yeah, I, I remember they they got suspended. I don't know if they got overturned or not since then. Um, yep. but but certainly that was it. And I thought like like that. Oh, to me, it wasn't an action that warranted that. Um, mm. um, yeah, and it, it was super scary because you could see she was really distressed. Um, out on the field and sort of calling out. Um, you know the. The medicos were out there. Um, you know, all the girls got around her to make sure she was okay. Um, because I mean, from the outset, Jane, I wasn't sure, um, you know, what part of her body she'd hurt. I, I was sort of thinking at the first. I, like she seems to be really favouring that that leg. I wonder if it's, um, you know, a, you know, potentially a fire. Maybe she's broken, um, like a femur or something like that. And, mm. um, but it turns out it was the neck. Um, <laughs> Um, that uh, she was worried about, but um, after the assessment, um, I believe that was all clear. Um, yeah, thankfully, uh, because certainly it looked uh, yeah, pretty scary. Um, yeah, yeah, looking on. Yeah, so yeah, we send our best wishes to her, and we're really glad that um, yeah, there was no, you know, no real bad injury that was going to um, be lifelong, if you know what I mean. So yeah. Because uh, that was a concern when it first mm. happened. Um, but uh, I've, a couple of players, we've got to recognise them. And I guess the best way to do that is to go through our 
votes for the game. Mm. But then we'll announce our Doncaster medal votes. But um, there's a couple of players I'm really looking forward to talking about um, and their contributions to our first inaugural year. So um, how did you go with your votes in the game? <laughs> yeah, mate, um, it was a bit of a tough one. I, I did find, um, you know, there was some really good performance throughout the game. Um but I think the one thing, you know, the girls really need to work on is uh, that, you know, continuing to perform, perform over four quarters. Um, yeah, not just, a, you know, glimpses here and there, but four quarter performances, I think, is a, uh, the effort they need to um, sort of work on. Uh, for the one vote, I went for uh, Daria Bannister. Um, cooked a couple, kicked a couple of really classy goals, Jane. Um, just fantastic. Oh, that snap was oh, that snap just unbelievable. <laughs> um uh, couldn't believe it. And the second one was almost as good, Jan. Um, mm. Yeah, some really good bits of play. And I, she's a really smart player, Jan. Um, just gets in good spots um, and continues to harass. I mean, she only, you know, picked up the one tackle here, but I know she was definitely around the mark, you know, bumping, harassing uh, the enemy number um, all game. And, you know, was able to make her presence known uh, with those couple of goals. So I thought, uh, you know, that was rewarded with the vote there. Uh, two votes actually went for uh, Ashley Van Loon. Um, now, one of our, I suppose, um, uh, you know, defenders that not often hailed, but I thought she had a particularly good game. Uh, this game, Jane, like she laid the nine tackles. Uh, fantastic. Um, a number of defensive efforts that, uh, you know, when Paul were running towards goal, um, she effectively stood up, got in their way, intercepted um, and got it back going towards our forward half, uh, which I thought was fantastic. So I went two votes for Van Loon. Uh, three votes, mate, um, you know, I just couldn't go past uh, Madison Prisbarkas now. Uh, she missed an easy goal um, that normally she'd, she'd kick. And, uh, yeah, it seems for a it – was, it was a kind of frustrating game um, in some senses because, you know, you had players like Amber Clark, Prisbarkas, too good, uh, Paige Scott, um, Jackie Vaught all having shots at goal uh, fairly close in, which normally you just you know pen them in for, uh, but they but they missed and um, yeah, it was uh, pretty frustrating to watch because that's what I was saying. Like they really had the opportunity to put down the sword, but yeah, Madison Brisbarkers, like every game, uh, just put in like she's she's just really a class above Jane, um, and uh, yeah, if you wanted someone to you know, mould your game off, she'd be the one uh, because it's not like nothing in her game, um, I suppose to me, reeks of, you know, elite speed, um, you know, precision ball use or anything like that. Uh, but it's just hard work um, that she goes about every game and uh, she gets knocked about a bit, Jane, uh, but she gets up um, and doesn't complain every single time. Uh, laid the eight tackles, so I thought... Um, just another fantastic game from Madison Prisbarkas. So three votes for mine. How about yourself, mate? How'd you read it? Yeah, um, it was a good way to finish for Maddie. Um, I gave her three votes too. Sorry, um, this cough is just <laughs> sitting at the back of my throat. Sorry. Um, yeah, so she's been a real beacon for us. And um, yeah, I hadn't given her votes the previous couple of games. And probably a harsh judge because she still had big numbers, but. Um, yeah, as we were mentioning, like some of our 
games we just haven't been able to score in quarters and mm-hmm. not that it's Maddie's fault, but I, I just felt like we were losing her impact. Yeah. Um so I recognise that as but yeah, definitely I thought she was the best player on that on that day and to be honest for the for the year. So uh, we'll discuss that shortly. But um I gave two votes to Bonnie too good again. I've got her her um marking ability is just unbelievable. Like mm. and she just Definitely marks the ball at its highest point at times. And, um, yeah, I, I think of all the players I've been watching on AFLW, she's one of the best marks in the comp. So, yeah, um, yeah, really enjoyed watching her uh, play and gave her the two votes. And finally, um, one of our recruits that came along, Maddie from Carlton, Georgia G. I thought she was really lively in this game. Because mm-hmm. um, it was... Real funny conditions. Um, we needed that, and she's got a light frame, but she certainly um, kept us. Uh, yeah, she was really nippy and running around and um, getting involved. So yeah, I gave her the one vote. Okay, but apologies to Daria Bannister because those couple of goals that she did make were just brilliant. Mm. But um, I just thought it went a little bit different. Yeah. So in conclusion, mate, why don't you? Uh, Give us the tally of the final on-cast medal vote. My pleasure, mate. Um, so let's go right from the bottom. Uh, so with one vote, you got Elise Gamble. Uh, on two votes each, you got Ashley Van Loon and Stephanie Kane. On three votes apiece, you got Georgia G, Sophie Alexander, Catherine Phillips, Stephanie Wales. Four votes each, you got uh, Stephanie, uh, pardon me, Paige Scott and Amber Clark. On seven, we've got Daria Bannister. On 17, we got Jackie Vott. 28, we got Bonnie Toogood. And out in front, uh, taking out the inaugural AFLW Don's Cast Medal uh, is uh, Madison Prisbarkas on 41 Don's Cast Medal votes. Yeah, great. And um, yeah, well done to Maddie Prisbarkas. Um, you know, obviously a big name recruit when we put her across, much to Carlton's. Uh, yeah. I guess you can say. Yeah. But, um, she certainly showed what a great player she is. And, um, you know, I see that she was named in the uh, under twenty two side as well. Um, for the AFLW. So, uh, well, in the squad at least. Um, and yeah, she was brilliant to watch. Um, and you know, really thankful she came she came across and made our. Uh, viewing much easier, probably having a player like that inside. Um, and you know, body too good. The game made um, left you know, in a leadership role at the Bulldogs, came across to us, and again, in the key position post, it's so good. And mm. yeah, really I'm glad that um, you know, those two girls at the end of the season um, had the top two votes that you know from our um, point of view so um yeah well done to both girls and well done to the whole squad for um you know a great first year absolutely jane um no it's uh fantastic and i i, I, I suppose i just want to reiterate like, i really enjoyed watching the uh, aflw um season jane um yep. like uh i think they've worked really hard at um yeah over the last few years of I suppose shaping the game to make the best of it, um, uh, like for not only the level but um, 
I suppose, you know, the, the female game. Um, obviously, it is, uh, you know, uh, is different. Um, but I think, you know, the spectacle is is just as good because um, obviously, you know, you've got 16 on the on the park as opposed to your 18, um, which does allow for a more free-flowing game. I certainly didn't notice any uh, real uh, bad congestion, which I think was a... Um, yeah, some people sort of complained about in the first years of the AFLW. Um, yeah, certainly the the quarter length allowed you know all players to run out the games really strongly. Um, yeah, so they've, they've made these uh, I suppose relatively minor changes um, to make the game as authentic and um, as watchable as possible. And I I thought it was uh, just fantastic, and I yeah enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed getting to know yeah, the names of the players and how they play and um, yeah, I guess we've got a, a lot of um, real good young talent. You know, your Amber Clark, your Paige Scott, um, George G. Like some real young talent there, Jane. Um, where you think another you know preseason get to know each other, you know, a little bit older, a little bit stronger, um, a bit more bonded. Um, you know, getting the coaches around them and you know a bit more of the game plan aspect uh, will only bode well. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the next season ahead. Yeah, so uh, yeah, obviously another draft, and that'll be interesting as well. So yeah, we look forward to that, and um, you know how, how the years progress. But I guess my last feedback on the AFLW, there's a gulf in talent, mate, between the very top teams, like you know your Brisbane's yeah. and Melbourne's, that you know quite rightly, um, mm. you know they've had you know many years to build their lists, and mm. you know. <laughs> They, they do stand out as having supreme talent. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I believe it's something we can work at and keep adding to and um, eventually, you know, we'll see a rise and um, maybe our first finals appearance uh, can be something we can aim for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, mate, I guess um, that's about it for this episode. Um, uh, again, um, yeah, we've got the draft coming up. Uh, and we're still waiting for a CEO appointment. So there'll be another podcast, you know, you know in the next month. So, you know, well, sorry, before the end of the month, because there'll either be pre or post draft. We'll definitely have a, a, um, a draft show to recap and potentially a preview. So, um, yeah, there's still plenty to talk about the Bombers and um, yeah, the CEO appointment will be important. And uh, yeah, so still plenty to talk about, mate. And I'm, Look forward to doing that with you. So, till next time, go bombing. Go dance.